Welcome to the Travel Pulse Podcast. I'm your host, Eric Bowman, the executive editor of TravelPulse.com. Today is Thursday, September 21st. Happy Travel Thursday, folks. Uh, we've got a special one, uh, not just because it's also on a Thursday, but we're in the Dominican Republic. Always a good time when we can be on location for these podcasts. We're here for the Forum event in the Dominican Republic. Super excited. Joining me on the show is Stephen Scott, owner of Travel Hub 365 and founder of the Odyssey Travel App. Welcome to the show again, Stephen. Thanks for joining. Thank you, Eric. Everything here has been fantastic, sunny, and well-organized. Thanks for having me. Yeah, we are going to talk a little bit more about our time here in the DR and the Forum event coming up a little bit later on this show. If you hear some waves crashing in the background, that's because uh, we're currently recording this from Eden Rock and right outside my room. I'm, I'm turned around and I'm looking. I'm just looking at these beautiful waves just crashing to... I got a beach right outside my room. It's beautiful. If you've ever been to Eden Rock, you know what, that, what I'm talking about. If you haven't, you should get this on your radar. But we'll talk a little bit more about the Dominican Republic in a bit. Because first, as we do for every episode, in case this is your first time listening to the podcast, we're going to dive into what's been trending in the world of travel in the last week. And we begin with uh, sort of a fun one and a weird one. And how did this happen? There was a bear at Magic Kingdom. A real black bear entered Walt Disney World on Monday, prompting the park to temporarily close a good portion of Magic Kingdom, including Frontierland, Liberty Square, and Adventureland, as local law enforcement and biologists from the Florida Fish and Wildlife Conservation Commission relocated the bear. The bear was first spotted in a tree near Big Thunder Mountain Railroad. It prompted the closure of at least 10 attractions in the morning as officials worked to capture and relocate the bear. And it was around 2.45 when they issued the all-clear, and no one was reported injured during the event, which is very good news there. But... How does this happen, man? This is kind of wild. And Steve, what do you what you make of what do you think of this story? Yeah, you know, you, you think of alligators first when you think of Orlando and in, in Florida. Uh, but you know, I first thing I thought of, I said, okay, where's Mama Bear and Papa Bear at? You know, <laughs> so it's it's uh, just an incredible story to hear. I'm glad they took care of it. I'm glad no one got hurt. Um, but uh, it is kind of fun to think about that. Uh, you know, everyone got a little bit of extra excitement while they were down there in Orlando and waiting in a lot of extra long lines and confusion as what was going on and then they probably took to social media and so there was a bear or word I just imagining words spreading throughout the parks and everyone just can, yeah it was a bit of a zoo uh, no right. hey, how do you believe someone they tell you there's a bear in the tree they're right. gonna say yeah there's also a bunch yeah. of other things running around here the bears are playing jamboree right what are they what, right. what are we what what are they running around for they got they got songs to perform right no um so yeah thankfully no one was injured and it was uh, kind of a wild one, weird one there, but you know, you you roll with uh, what life gives you when when you're traveling, and you make the best of it. So, jumping over to the air travel news, and big one in the last week here, um, Delta Airlines making some changes over here. They're going to limit Sky Club access and making it harder to earn Sky Mile status. Delta Airlines announced plans to limit the number of travelers would be permitted into enter its airport Sky Club starting on February first, twenty twenty five. So got. A, a little ways to go there. That's a kind of a far out. But the airline is also revealing changes to Sky Mile programs, making it harder to qualify for status by allowing only medallion qualification dollars to serve as the qualifier for medallion status. Travelers will no longer earn status based on the number of miles they fly with the airline, and instead earn status based on the amount of money they spend with the airline. Delta posed a full breakdown of the recent Sky Miles program changes on its official website. If you're curious more about that, you can check that out. But Stephen, your thoughts on this? I know you don't fly Delta a ton, but you probably sell it a little bit. I fly Delta a lot, so I have some thoughts. What would you make of this? Yeah, you know, I'm based out of Chicago, so I don't have as as, as much of uh, Delta because of the connections we might have to have. Right. Um, but, you know, the interesting thing is uh, United announced 
pretty quickly an instant uh, upgrade of status right around the same time. So I think, uh, you know, this is going to cause a battle back and forth a little bit with trying to get uh, some of Delta's uh, high flying members uh, over to other airlines because there was already some concerns happening with uh, Delta medallion members and, and how they were being treated. So this is a this is a big hit and uh, we'll see how it uh, how it uh, comes out. Yeah, certainly interesting there because there's a lot of power behind these loyalty programs and a lot of, you know, faith you, people put in their airlines and they love think airlines for certain reasons. Everyone has different takes on things and location is certainly a big point for a lot of people out there. But yeah, when you make it a little bit harder for, for people, this is also, I think, just going to make it a little harder for your average traveler too. They may not think of Delta first if they're not going to earn based on the number of miles that they fly and instead switching over to money. But I mean, also, and I heard a lot of people talk about this too, of like, oh, just uh, Delta want more money type of thing. And airlines always want all this money, which kind of gets us over to, you know, airlines and airport satisfaction story, which um, the current state of traveler satisfaction with North American airports uh, came out recently from the JD Power. And this along the same lines too with airline executives saying the air traffic controller shortage will cause chaos for years to come. So those are other recent news on that. And we'll, I'll get to the satisfaction in a minute. But airline executives attending uh, recent Global Aerospace Summit convened by the U.S. Chamber of Commerce in Washington, D.C., expressed mounting frustration with air traffic controller staffing shortages. The FAA has about uh, 2,600 controllers currently in training, and its parent agency, the U.S. Department of Transportation, is requesting another $117 million in government funding to bring 1,800 more on board next year. The FAA declined to comment beyond referring to Reuters in its August statement on the uh, Reuters report that came this, and they said that it, uh, they said that they've met its 2023 goal of hiring 1,500 controller trainees, which still leaves about 3,000 short of staffing targets. And you know, the JD Power um, study, um, traveler satisfaction with North American airports, climbed actually this year, despite numerous challenges from ongoing pilot shortage and also the air traffic issues too, and um, record passenger volumes, a lot busy summer of air traffic. So that's the JD Power 2023 North American Airport Satisfaction Study, and it rates North American airports across six factors, including terminal facilities, airport arrival and departure, baggage claim, security check, check-in and baggage check, and food and beverage and retail. So the big winners among North American airports were Detroit Metropolitan Wayne County, Tampa Bay International Airport, and Indianapolis International Airport, which ranked highest among mega, large, and medium airports, respectively. So 2023 marks the second straight year that Tampa and Indy have won their respective categories and Detroit jumping up there in the mega one. So Stephen, your thoughts uh, towards airport air traveler satisfaction and all the issues going on with air travel. Yes. You know, I'm, I'm uh, definitely thinking that these airports that have been uh, shifting and moving towards the top of this list, they have made significant changes to their airport operations. They've been actively doing the things that consumers want us, uh, want them to do and, and need them to do to have a, an easier experience at the airports. And, uh, you know, nothing's worse than getting to an airport and seeing too many restaurants closed or uh, a, a train that's going to get you to another terminal not working. You know, Miami, for example, is having that issue right now. And uh, that's a long walk. Um, and uh, you want uh, to see movement in these charts. That means they're battling together to uh, get things easier for the consumer. And uh, I like to see it. 
Yeah, I like it as well. I mean, you, you want to know that these airports are investing in the traveler experience and, you know, it's nice to see them rewarded. But overall, I mean, it, it's tough with the air traffic issues, uh, air traffic controller issues going on. It's been an ongoing story pretty much throughout the year. And I don't see it really becoming a non-story anytime soon, too. Like, it's it's going to be an issue. It's going to cause problems. We're going to hear stories about it over the next year until you can get more people hired and trained. And that's a long process. And I don't have the answers on that. I'm, if anyone has strong thoughts, you know, podcast at travelpulse.com is the email. I'd love to hear from you listeners out there. You can let me know how you're thinking on that. But it's uh, certainly something that's not going to slow down. Yes. Uh, you know, the, the air traffic controllers, uh, they're the people that we don't see on a daily mm-hmm. basis, right? Um, and it's a tough job. It is. It's an incredibly tough, demanding job, and you can't just put anyone in it. Um, and you also can't just train, train someone and put them right out there five minutes after they started the job. Um, so we all depend on them without knowing they're even there. And uh, we've got to hope that they get the resources they need to find the best people, hire the best people, and then keep us safe while we're on the ground and in the air. 100%. Jumping over to cruise news now. We've got Hurtigruten rebrands to HX. The Expedition Cruise Line will be rebranding beginning on December 2023 with a new name and logo across all its channels and media. Hurtigruten Norway, which dates back to 1893, interesting fact there, will also change its name to Hurtigruten. So library repainting on its ships will also be implemented within the next 18 months to reflect all this change. So, Stephen, you've been on Hurtigruten. You've sold it before. What are your thoughts on the rebrand here? Yeah, you know, hey, I have had an amazing time uh, with a Canada New England sailing on Hurtigruten uh, probably five or six years ago. Um, we had a brand new ship at the time, a Hurtigruten Fram. Um, and they did a fantastic job. Uh, but I do understand there's different, it's a different brand in Norway. You know, it's more of a on and off, uh, more of a transit type of experience as opposed to a cruise experience. So I understand why they want to make this change. They want to differentiate their product. They want to start moving things forward. Um, I like it. I, I want to see how they separate the market. And uh, I think it's going to be fantastic for our consumers and all of us to easily understand who they are and what they do. Yeah, and I think it's the simplicity and just the two letters on that, you know, pronunciation wise, whatever you want to do. But HX, it'll it'll be it'll spread. I think it'll be fine. You just got to get a good. We're, we're looking at the brochures um, that they put on out and the, the release that they sent to the media is uh, brochure uh, logos on top of these brochures. So it's, you know, it looks nice. It's, a, it's just a, an H and an X letter, very long, extended um one half of the H in the letter, but I'm interested to see how it's going to look on the ships, you know, because that's the sort of things that will catch eyes and extend power with that rebrand to get, you know, notoriety and views and eyeballs all on it to to catch it and say, hey, watch HX, you know, oh, Expedition Cruising, cruising." like there's a good play on that with the power and the the X on that. So it's interesting to see kind of what uh, media they put out from that. Jumping over to other cruise news, Utopia of the Seas is getting closer to completion. It just celebrated its float out and is scheduled to inaugurate service out of Port Canaveral, Florida in July 2024. And Royal Caribbean Group also announced the completion of a 12-week alternative biofuel testing program in Europe. And their president and CEO, Jason Liberty, said, quote, this is a pivotal moment for Royal Caribbean Group's alternative fuel journey. Following our successful trial of biofuels this summer, we are one step closer to bringing our vision for net zero cruising to life. Stephen, your thoughts on Royal Caribbean? I know you have sold it well. You've used to work there. So your thoughts on cruising? Bio, the, 
we can talk about Utopia in a, in a second if you've got thoughts there, but I guess on the biofuel stuff first. Yeah, uh, yes. I, I continue to love Royal Caribbean. They're uh, making advancements in so many different places, but this is uh, truly phenomenal. Uh, I, you know, I want all cruise lines to get closer to being, uh, you know, lesser of an impact on the environment. And I think every consumer would be happy with it, even if they don't focus on do you or do you not take care of the environment? I think they feel good when they cruise on a cruise line that is doing the right thing. Um, and so uh, the advancements that they're making now, I am sure they're, it's only the first step. Who knows where they will be in 15 to 20 years? I think they know it, uh, but I can't wait for us to see what uh, is happening on the sea for Royal Caribbean. Yeah, the future of cruising certainly looks bright, and it's great that there's initiatives like this taking place. And, you know, somebody's got to be the trendsetter. Somebody's got to get out in front and, you know, there's sort of a bit of a competition, I guess, if you will, with yeah. other cruise lines and or all the cruise lines really in the different biofuel, the different alternative fuel, the different, you know, how can we make cruising greener? And that is a continued discussion will need to stay at the forefront of the cruise industry. And I think that we're pushing in them and we're definitely pushing in the right direction. So it's just, it's nice to see that this is, is going on and man, Utopia of the Seas is going to be massive. Like yes. Royal just does it big and you, you wonder five years from now, like, can you, what, what is big in cruising look like, you know, especially yeah. as we talk about the environment and fuels and things like that. It's, it's captivating. Yeah. You know, uh, the interesting thing, the first things they started to uh, showcase and announce for the ship were uh, all of the children's areas. So there we did as, you know, a travel agency, we did get calls saying, you know, is this going to be all children? Is it the whole ship going to be about kids? Uh, but we always say, just wait, there's more. Yeah. Uh, and there are uh, recent announcements showing all the adult areas and the restaurants and the uh, adult um, beaches that they're actually uh, opening uh, uh, are going to be just phenomenal. So I'm excited to see the ship. Uh, I know many others are. It's already starting to sell. So uh, really excited. Right. Yeah. Icon got a lot of hype and mm -hmm. rightfully so for it. But Utopia is going to be like right after it, like yep. within seven months. From each other i think uh, icons in january and yeah and then utopia is scheduled for uh, july so it's gonna be a big 24 for royal caribbean that's right. on that so that wraps up what is trending in travel a lot of news we didn't touch on obviously because there's so much news in travel all the time so bookmark travelpulse.com and check out all the news there any additional thoughts what we've talked about here I mean, drop me an email podcast at travelpulse.com now we're going to jump over to our theme of the week here and it's the dr trap forum man so your thoughts on the Dominican Republic Trap Forum. This is your first time on a Trap Forum event. What have you thought of this event so far? Yeah, you know, the the really the goal from uh, the travel advisor standpoint is to support the different brands that are selling Dominican Republic. Uh, and I think we've done uh, a good job of uh, supporting their efforts and they have reciprocated by showing me and all of us the best of Dominican Republic. Really, uh, they've done a fantastic job and uh, we've just seen... Uh, beautiful places and we have eaten amazing food so it's been fantastic yeah the food has been outstanding here in the dr for sure so uh, i've touched on the travel forum here on the podcast before but for anyone listening who isn't familiar it's where we at travel pulse here we take uh top quality agents like Stephen here very high level um elite level travel advisors and they we drop them in a destination hotels and resorts and you get to experience what it's all about and then provide feedback you know valuable feedback too to the to the resort staffs and everything and the destination about how can things get better and enhance and uh, yeah it's a great time uh, this one specifically being in the dr we uh branching out and hitting multiple resorts on this trip instead of just the one stay here so we've started out 
in Santo Domingo. And then we just spent a couple of time days in uh, Casa de Campo. And we actually just arrived at Eden Rock a couple hours ago, but had to get the podcast in because we've got a very busy Friday here. So let's start it off first with what stood out to you in Santo Domingo? Stephen, that was your first time there. My my first as well. Many of us, I think everyone here actually was our first time here. There's, there's 10 agents with us and a few of our staff from North Star Travel Group here. But your thoughts on Santo Domingo? Yeah, I actually, it was my second time oh, that's uh, right. Santo my, Domingo. You, you could have jumped yeah. in and corrected me right away. Right? It's, no, okay. it's okay. I forgot no. you were there earlier. Uh, yeah. You know what? It was even more memorable this time. Uh, they are, uh, they've got a fantastically safe environment there for all of us to walk around and see the sites. Uh, the history of that city, it, it will take two or three or four times to the city to be able to capture all of the history that's happening over 500 years uh, in that destination. And they're very proud of it. Um, and so uh, I loved it. Uh, we had a fantastic location, a fantastic hotel, uh, put us right in the action. We were able to walk to all of our restaurants, uh, walk to all of the sites, and uh, it was just very easy to get to from the airport. So um, you can't say that about every city. Sometimes it takes a long time to get to what you want to do. And there it was just very centralized. Absolutely. Yeah. I think you got to be have a, a certain traveler in mind uh, that's got to be intrigued about Santo Domingo and that history aspect, your history lovers that, you know, want to experience something. Maybe people who go to Europe for history, like, you know, you know, you might come to the Caribbean and think beach or whatever, but there's great history there in Santo Domingo, staying in the colonial city right there. It's a UNESCO World Heritage Site. Uh, we stayed at uh, Hotel Pa Nicolas de Ovando, and it was a beautiful resort, a five-star luxury. Uh, Brad, They were saying Brad Pitt stayed there before, and a bunch of uh, the girls in the group were like, maybe he was in my room, maybe he was in my room. <laughs> well, you know, Brad was definitely in my room, but no, actually, uh, he was probably in one of the colonial rooms. I had one of the contemporary rooms, and that was what a, a cool thing about that resort is you had a little bit of a, you know, old meets new uh, contemporary, you know, in, in that resort, and I really liked that, so I definitely put that on your radar. And yeah, Santo Domingo, very safe. We, we took a great walking tour, and... Uh, through the colonial city, saw some great stuff, great museum. So nothing but positive things to say about Santo Domingo. And I really think if you have a traveler that has history and is, loves that aspect of things, then they really should put Santo Domingo on their list because you can start off here and then venture on, you know, uh, east to uh, one of the beach spots or, or a little bit north too to Meaches is another destination that the DR is um, picking up and more properties are headed there too. So we'll have to get back there next time if we do another one of these travel forums here. But uh, after Santo Domingo, we jumped over to Casa de Campo, which is 7,000 acres for those unfamiliar with the, the property there and its villas and its uh, hotels and suites. And man, it was it was breathtaking for me. So Stephen, what were your overall thoughts on Casa de Campo? Was your first time there? Uh, I just, uh, everything just exuded quality and uh, competence. And they just... Everything they did was just amazing from the, the food to uh, the quality of our rooms and suites. Um, everything just seemed just so they, they know what they're doing. And um, when it comes to competence, uh, you know, there's so much happening at that resort in different ways for different people, from the beach adult pools to the children's family areas of the beach, uh, all the way to being able to see the equestrian side of things and the... Um, having your own golf cart uh, I yeah. mean, just to get around. That's right. For, for those unfamiliar, everyone, um, you come to Casa de Campo, every guest has their own golf cart. That's right. And we even had some of uh, the other travel advisors were uh, skeet shooting, uh, yeah. spending time at the spa. Uh, it's just there's so much to do. There's no way you can go there and just spend two or three days. You really need to give it some time and experience so much, uh, including their hospitality. 
Definitely so. And it, um, this is not an all-inclusive resort, but they do have an all-inclusive package that sort of elevates it up there. And we stayed in the Premier Club, which is very new and something that should be on everyone's DR radar just because of the different that comes with it for inside the whole Casa de Campo complex. And that um, Altos de Chavon, the 16th century village that they built um, in the 80s, but it made it look... You know, like it's very, it's right on these like cliffs and you overlook the river and everything. And it's absolutely breathtaking. And you, you feel like you're stepped back and you feel like you stepped into the Mediterranean a little bit there. And it's uh, just a whole village vibe. And we had a great Italian dinner the other night and serenaded with music. And yeah, it's, it's a, a beautiful property and one not to be missed. That's right. And I definitely would recommend that um, before you go, you know, work with your travel advisor and their team because they have a fantastic travel planning team that can organize everything for you in advance yeah and they have a ton of villas too we we toured one villa that was five bedrooms uh conor mcgregor andre bocelli and michael jordan all stayed in that villa at various times for their events they were talking about they've had the kardashians on there so yeah celebrities like that i mean you, you've got tons of villas to choose from some of the properties there are breathtaking uh, i played golf there and had a great time and loved seeing all the homes that i would um never have enough money to to own one, you know, but they're absolutely stunning. And that's what you want in a vacation sometimes too. It's like you want you know, privacy in that villa and really to, to feel like a mega rich celebrity rock star sometimes, yep. you know? And now we're in Eden Rock here and we've only had a, a short moment here. We, we'll experience a little bit more and get the full tour and everything tomorrow. And you'll just have to check out, you know, some of the recap content up on travelpulse.com for, for that as well. But your first impressions of Eden Rock? Well, I will tell you, um, Eric had trouble getting me off the beach a few minutes ago to get over here to do this podcast. <laughs> I had agreed to it. I knew what time we had to do it. And next thing you know, the sea just captivated me. I was out there within 10 minutes of getting to my room because I was able to just walk out of my room straight onto the beach, into the water. And uh, it is just absolutely stunning. Um, the check-in process was easy. Um, they take you right to your room and you are on your way. So um, I love it already. Yeah, I love the personalization too. The, the you know, we got someone walked us over into the room and outlaid everything, and um, so we knew what was up. And yeah, I walked in my room, and like the beach is like right there. I'm on the first floor, so you know, I was got people above me. They don't have that quite that luxury where you can just step out, and my toes are like right there in the sand. And yeah, I, I barefooted it straight to the beach. So. Yeah, great. <laughs> yeah, that, so I don't fault you at all for being a little late on Thank recording you. here. So. Yeah, we're excited to see more about Eden Rock. And I mean, it's it's a stunning property, one of the most, you know, luxurious, I think, on the island here. And it gets a lot of pub for that. So we also have a, a catamaran excursion tomorrow. So that's just part of the travel room experiences of, you know, getting to experience things that the travel advisors are going to want to sell out there and market to their, their clients and post all over social media and everything. So be sure to follow us on Travel Pulse. Be sure to follow me at Eric Bowman underscore and travel and Steven's over there on Travel Hub 365. Give him a shout there. So, you know, for our advisor listeners, we're, we're definitely going to have more of these travel forums, social fam type events going on to so be, you know, on the lookout for applications and things like that. If you're interested in that, you can definitely hit me up podcast at travelpulse.com or ebowman at travelpulse.com. But for, you know, our supplier listeners out there, Stephen, I'd love to get your take on this. Why do you think a supplier should consider hosting a trav forum over, say, just having agents come on a traditional fam trip? 
The most important thing is that um, Travel Pulse prepares us to look out for the small details that maybe they're missing uh, from the hotel side. Maybe they see something every day and they just have forgotten that they need to fix something. Well, uh, when we come in uh, as a team, as a unit of travel advisors, we have formalized ways of being able to give them feedback um, and how they've set up the roundtable at key parts of this. Um, how we are interacting with their staff and teams along the way. It's a formal way of getting good feedback and communication on things that are good or bad. And a normal fam, you know, a travel agent, we might come in there and we run off to do whatever we want to do. We come back and we leave. This time it gives them the ability to hear from us uh, along the way and in a formal uh, format. So it's been fantastic, I think. Yeah. And the feedback aspect can't be understated too. It's just important to have, you know, and especially, you know, you guys all being the high quality agents that you are, and there's so much value in that and your, your big books of business and all that. So that provides extra value too on it. So it's been a great time and, you know, we'll have recaps up on travelpulse.com. I'll be posting a video. Hopefully you've been following us on social this week. Um, if you're listening to this later on in the week or, or later on in time, you know, be sure to hit that subscribe button to the podcast so you get notified when new episodes come up. Man, it's been a great time here, but, you know, we are, are winding down here on the time. We've got a, a cocktail hour and a dinner to go get ready for and stuff. So, Stephen, thank you so much for, for jumping on the pod here. Tell the people how they can get in touch with you, where they can, you know, follow you on the socials again. Anything else you want to plug, you know, shout out to the Odyssey Travel App. Give them a Tell the people what that's about, too. Uh, thank you so much. So uh, our agency is Travel Hub 365. You can find that uh, travelhub365.com. We do corporate travel, entertainment, travel, and leisure. Um, we've been doing that uh, for almost nine years now. Uh, my background is Royal Caribbean, United Airlines, uh, and Accenture as well. So uh, I think we do some pretty good things for a lot of great clients. Um, and then we launched the Odyssey Travel app uh, just last year. Uh, this uh, week here, we have uh, launched the new version 3.0. Yeah, the redesign looks yeah, sick. Thank you. Yes, it's faster, it's easier to use, uh, but it just gives our customers the ability to book online if they can't uh, reach us or if they just want to do something quick. Uh, but either way, it's with us. And uh, I would recommend every travel advisor have their own travel app as well. There's no reason to give away business. Build it yourself. And that's what we do. I love that. Great advice, man. Thank you. That wraps up all the time we have here on the Travel Pulse podcast. Thank you for listening. We'll be out next week, but we'll be back again in October to talk some all-inclusives and uh, maybe a little bit of a dark tourism as well because it's spooky season in October, guys. So thank you again for listening. Have a great week. Mm-hmm.